If you enjoy Champions for Children, be sure to check out the new podcast from Nemours Children's Health, Well Beyond Medicine. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts or at NemoursWellBeyond.org to continue hearing the stories of anything and everything related to the 80% of child health impacts that occur outside the doctor's office. And now, the episode of Champions for Children you requested. Enjoy! Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Nemours Champions for Children podcast. I'm Carol Vassar, and in this episode and the one that follows, we'll be talking about pastoral care in the healthcare setting. Generally speaking, pastoral care is a model of emotional, social, and spiritual health. The term is considered inclusive of both non-religious forms of support and spirituality, as well as support for people who are part of a particular religious community. That's a lot to take in, so we've called upon the experts. Nemours chaplains in Florida and Delaware, including... My name is Tracy Herman. I am lead chaplain at the hospital here in Orlando, and I've been here about three years now. I was actually overseas in Africa for about 12 years and moved back here in 2012 and started getting trained as a chaplain and love being a chaplain. And like I said, I've been at Nemours for three years now and it's really grown on me and has become home. And I love what we provide for our our patients, families, and staff here. My name is Ben White. I'm a newbie. I started in December of 2021. So three months in, almost four months in. I am a pastoral care associate chaplain, and I got hired to do Spanish-speaking chaplaincy. Uh, we wanted to provide a more intimate, kind of non-filtered through a translator pastoral care to our Spanish-speaking population, which we have a significant amount here. At Nemours, pastoral care is part of patient and family services, sitting alongside social work, music therapy, and child life. It's available for patients, families, and Nemours associates. So what form does pastoral care take at Nemours? Tracy and Ben begin our conversation by taking a look at what chaplains do and don't do within the enterprise. Here's Tracy Herman. We knock on doors, we go into rooms, and we start up conversations. And we're really trained at listening to the kids and the parents and getting to the heart of what's going on. What's the most difficult part of this for you? And what are some of your thoughts and feelings around what's going on? And if we walk out of there and never had a conversation about God, that's okay, because we really do provide a ministry of presence. And we're just there to support them and wherever they are. One thing I love about chaplaincy is that we're going to join them where they are at. If they want to have a conversation about certain things, then that's where we're going to be for the most part. I mean, of course, we're trained to how to kind of lead things a little bit here and there, but we're going to join them and be an emotional support to them. We do have that spiritual element so we can meet the spiritual needs that come up as well. Ben? Absolutely. There's so many people tending to the whole human at Nemours. And so I'm actually learning how to be a part of that team. And that does put us in a place where we are more into the our, our niche of spirituality, which I think is bigger than most people might define it. It's not just religious. And in fact, the largest group in our religious census are people that have no identifying religion. So we're tending to people's emotions. We're trying to be a non-anxious presence so that the flow 
of whatever is happening. Can we can kind of scratch below the surface and even go around some of the numbers and metrics and demands of the breathtaking science that's happening here and spend a little bit more time. I tell people that I'm mostly oidos, which is ears, and I have really big ears. I've trained for a long time to have those. You brought up a good point, Ben, and I'm curious about that. When people think pastoral care, often they think religion, and it's really not necessarily religion. It's spirituality. Can you help us lay folk understand what the difference is? We do definitely tend to the religious needs too. Ramadan Kareem to all of the Muslim people that are celebrating. It's Holy Week. Palm Sunday was yesterday for Christians when we're recording this. Passover starts on Friday and we tend to all of those needs. People have religious, spiritual, ritualistic needs that I would characterize as more concretely religious, but everyone has a spirit, I think. You might not describe yourself that way, but I'm willing to go with whatever language you have to say that the deeper part of you that needs some space and some nurturing to become aware of and to tend to, it's the undercurrent of your human experience. And those are the waters that Tracy and I get into. So yeah, religion has a bad rap, but if you go back to the heart of the word in Latin, it's like coming from ligament, which binds our bones together. So to re-ligament something is the work of religion. And you can do a lot of things religiously. I hope that every human being actually would have a sense of themselves as religious, but maybe not in the institutional sense, because uh, you need to be bound together. You need to be held together by rituals and practices and things that bring you joy and meaning. And whether you're going to do that in the context of uh, a, a traditional religion or just in your own personhood, I'd like to offer that redefinition of religion for you so that I don't just have to reject it for myself because we're held together by things. And if we pay attention to them and amplify them, especially when our lives are falling apart in these dire circumstances, either as a staff person or as a a family member of a person who is very ill, we need things to hold us together and to bind us back together. And we can make that up. I think we kind of make a little church uh, in every room that we come into, just in a a much more generic sense of that word. Tracy, you're nodding your head. I think people often don't understand what a chaplain is and what a chaplain can provide. And so there's a lot of misconceptions around that. People think that one, we're coming to bring some bad news. So if the chaplain is here, then you must have some bad news. But ultimately, we would love to visit every single patient in this hospital and at least just touch base and make an assessment and see if there's any needs that come up. We try to normalize our our presence here. We're not allowed to bring bad news. So just because we're there, obviously, yes, we do attend end-of-life situations. And if there's a crisis going on, we will be there. You will see us. But that doesn't necessarily mean we're bringing bad news. Other misconceptions, they think we just kind of pop in and say a prayer and then leave. Sure, we can pray. We can provide those spiritual needs. We can do baptisms. We can make connections if we need to get a priest to come in and do an anointing. Things like that, we can do those, but we're not just going to pop in and pray and go. We're going to be there because this is much bigger than just saying a quick prayer and leaving. And we really care a lot. We are very concerned and mostly we want a connection with the family and, and the patients that are here. If I'm coming into a crisis, the thing I'm most hopeful for is can I connect with this family? Can I connect with this staff members? That's going to be a good visit in my book is if I can connect with them. 
Also, people think maybe we just are pushing our values. Maybe we're all Christian and we're just trying to evangelize or push what we believe. And absolutely not. Like that's the furthest from what we do is we are that ministry of presence. We are joining them where they're at and again, connecting with them. So we're not just there for those religious needs. So I think that's some of the misconceptions that come up. And the more we can normalize chaplaincy and what we do, then that's a win in, in my book. One more misconception that I would add is that we're here just for the patients and their families. Tracy mentioned it earlier that we are here with the staff as well. And probably one of the most common understandings of a chaplain is a military chaplain where the person is in the trenches dodging gunfire with the people. Having gone through some of the horrific things that our staff has to go through, sometimes it's an acute event that is absolutely horrific and children dying is always horrific. Other times, it's just the long-term stress of being in between life and death all the time, or even just in between kids being sick. Even if people don't die on your unit or in your practice, if you're doing outpatient, you're still experiencing so much. And we are too. We're there with you experiencing that. You know, I can't really talk to my, my spouse about all the stuff that I experience, but I can talk to my colleagues. I can talk to Tracy about some of the stuff I've experienced even easier than I could talk to my spouse. Because in many ways, you are in the trenches along with all of our associates. Yes, yeah, that's where we want to be. That's heavy stuff. You're there for end of life. You're there for beginning of treatment. You're there all along the continuum, it sounds like. How do you each take care of yourselves? Um, sometimes people will go to the chaplain and say, I'm having this issue, and then they kind of leave it with you, and here you are sitting with it. How do you take care of you? That's very important. That's vital to continue to do what we do. I always say the chaplain kind of carries the feelings and emotions. You know, you're coming into a high stress environment and let's say a situation's going on, the nurses and doctors are going to be taking care of the patient and we're often taking care of the parents, the family members, and they've got a lot of their emotions that are going on. So we come in and we kind of carry all of that. It's very important that we take care of ourselves. There's different things. We all have our things. I go for walks. I get out and get some air. I kind of know my limits where I'm at a point where this is too much and maybe scale back a little bit or just do whatever I need to do. Go for a walk. Or I think having colleagues that do understand that we can talk to when times are really tough, like the other chaplains there in Delaware, having a connection. We know each other. We work well together. And then also, I have a team to take care of, so I'm lead chaplain, and I've got my own chaplains. I'm kind of that person where I want to make sure that they're doing well, and I, I spend time with them and listen to them and hear what they're feeling. So hopefully, they feel comfortable and they can share with me. But we certainly can't continue to care for others if we're not in a healthy place. Ben? Absolutely. One of the things that Tracy and I have done a lot of work to get to this point where we are chaplains. Clinical pastoral education is a journey of self-discovery and becoming self-aware. And I think that that is probably one of the key things. There is such a power in naming that undercurrent. What I'm trying to do with the patient is help them to name what's going on underneath, give voice to that underneath stuff. And the reason that I can do that is because I spent a long time and I have a practice of naming and being in touch with that deeper center of myself. My practices are based in Christian spirituality, contemplation and prayer, a lot of space, a lot of tending. And I think one of the luxuries that I have in my life is that this work, the heaviness that you're talking about, Carol, it demands that I do that. 
I cannot do my job unless I'm paying attention to what's going on inside of me because what's going on inside of me will come to the surface and take up all the space in a room and I will be useless to the person that I'm here to tend to if I haven't tended to myself. It's very well put. Let me ask you, Ben, first and then Tracy, how did you become interested in pastoral care? How did you end up at Nemours and why Nemours? I have a master's in divinity. That's a seminary degree that pastors often get, but many chaplains also have as well. And clinical pastoral education was a requirement when I was at Princeton Theological Seminary. And I did some interning there on my first night as a chaplain. Well, I was an intern. I wouldn't even call myself a chaplain. I don't know if I deserved that word yet. A baby died. This was an adult hospital in their neonatal intensive care unit. A baby died. And... I was there. And it was a strange case where the mother was just too heartbroken, too devastated to be present. And so I came at the call of the staff to be present to this death and to them as they tended this baby who they were withdrawing artificial technology, life-sustaining technology. And that didn't crush me. It didn't destroy me. It actually brought to the tippy top of my being a sense of the beauty of life, the beauty of these mostly women that were caring for this baby even after death, I realized that if I could do this work, if that didn't scare me away, that maybe I ought to. And I don't know that even with all of the training in the world that this work is for everyone, and I think that's absolutely fine. But if it is for me, maybe I ought to do it then. And so I have worked in chaplaincy. I've done some work as a pastor of a parish as well, but I'm back to chaplaincy because of that sense of uh, sacredness of that space, that liminal space between life and death where things come into sharper focus. I can be of some use to people that are going through the worst moment that they will probably ever experience and make that experience slightly more healthy or less lonely or more leaning towards love and hope than death and despair. I'm not always instrumental, but I am often enough to keep me at it. Just to answer real quickly about Nemours, it was the Spanish speaking that got me here. I lived in Mexico for a while and I wanted to exercise that gift. I was a little scared actually about coming to a children's hospital, but I have found it to be fruitful so far. I'm loving it. That's great. Wonderful path. Tracy, tell me about your path to Nemours. When I was growing up, I wanted to be a first responder of some sort. Then I went into ministry. I was a missionary in Africa for 12 years, pretty much only focused on the spiritual needs of people around me. That never really quite sat well with me because we are whole beings. We are physical, spiritual, mental, social, emotional. We have all of these components to us. I didn't want to focus on one or the other. My heart was always kind of in meeting the holdings of the person. When I came back to the States, I did get some more education. And then I started in clinical pastoral education to be trained as a chaplain, I actually said I want to do the law enforcement chaplaincy or hospital chaplaincy, and actually I do both. But my heart is mostly in the hospital setting. I did a few years of training. Um, what I love about clinical pastoral education is they just throw you in there, say first day, okay, go visit patients, and you feel like you don't know what you're doing, but you go in there and you knock on a door and it's terrifying. Then you meet with your group and you digest what just happened and you evaluate. We have this reflection action model where you 
reflect within yourself and with others, your supervisor, and go back out and do it again, do it differently. So definitely the hospital setting is what I love. I started out at a different institution than this, but came into Namor, started out part-time, and then um, was offered the full-time lead position here. And much like Ben, it was a little bit terrifying to start out in pediatrics. It's just different. It's a whole different feel. I mean, every life is important. We are humans. We are important. We are all valuable. But when it comes to pediatrics, any new diagnosis of cancer is heartbreaking. Every end-of-life situation, every time we lose a kid, it's a really really big deal and affects all of us. You're also interacting a lot with the parents who are terrified. And so it's a whole different way of interacting and doing chaplaincy, I guess, with, with them. But I love Nemours. It's a different culture. It's taken me a little while, but I absolutely have grown to love Nemours. I think the thing I love the most is that we really truly care for these kids that are here and their parents. We say we treat them as if they are our own. And I honestly believe we do that. We want to make these kids well, but we also want to make them happy and healthy. And we absolutely love these kids as if they are our own and their parents. And so I think that's what I really absolutely love about Nemours. Much like Ben said, it's about hope and hope can change. It, it kind of, it can, I mean, they come in here and everybody's hopeful that their kid gets better and goes home, but then hope can maybe change over the time that they're here and we can kind of bend with them and change with them. And it's kind of fluid, I guess, but I feel like it's the greatest honor. Even when a kid doesn't walk out of here, what an honor it is to be with a family and to have that connection and provide support and at least meet their emotional and spiritual needs while they're here so that they can start on the path of healing and be healthy as they go out. They may go out grieving and mourning, but you know, to know that I've been a part of that story and I've had at least a little bit of a, a difference to show them love and compassion and care. I know that decades down the road, they're going to remember everything about their time. To be a part of that story, it's an honor. Tracy Herman is the lead chaplain at Nemours Children's Hospital in Orlando. She was joined in conversation by Ben White, pastoral care associate, chaplain, at the Nemours Children's Hospital in Delaware. Tracy and Ben join us again on the next episode of the Nemours Champions for Children podcast. They'll go a bit deeper into their roles serving patients, families, and associates at the enterprise, including their take on working in the adult healthcare setting, where they both have experience, versus the pediatric setting, the importance of bilingual chaplains, and what it's like to be serving as a pastor or chaplain during a pandemic. Please join us. The Nemours Champions for Children podcast is all about you, the Nemours Associate. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast app. That way you'll never miss an episode. The podcast is available on Nemours.net and the Nemours Now app. And by asking your smart speaker to play the Nemours Champions for Children podcast, you may also go directly to this or any episode of the podcast by visiting Nemours.Libsyn, that's L-I-B-S-Y-N, Com. Production assistance today is courtesy of Peter Adebi, Allison Kraft, Deborah Griffin, and Savannah Pettit, and we thank all of them. On behalf of Chaplains Tracy Herman and Ben White, I'm Carol Vassar, and we thank you for listening to this episode of the Nemours Champions for Children podcast. Until next time, please stay safe, stay well, and thank you for all you do for the patients and families we serve.